Praise God. Come with me, please, if you like, uh, to the book of Luke, chapter 11, and I will read verses 44 and 52, just quickly. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are as graves which appear not, and the men that walk over them are not aware of them. 52. Woe unto you, lawyers, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in, ye hindered. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. And tell someone it's all about God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Father, for the entrance of your word. Indeed, bring it light. May we see you, Lord. Amen. Right. This morning, just come with me on a little journey into a little child's room. The mother comes, calls this little child and say, you need to sort your room out. Your room is filthy. And this child responds to the mother, goes to the room, and begins to tidy up. And in the tidying up, the mom comes and quickly it is done. Hmm. The mom is a bit suspicious because how could the filth I have seen on the bed everywhere be dealt with so quickly? Yes, when you look, everything is nice. It looks clean, nice. But the mom knows that reality, come on, it, it, it just couldn't be that quick. So mom lifts, realizes that, you know, notices, notices that the quilt that should be or the bedspread that should be in a certain way, that the quilt is not folded, but it's covering the whole bed. So that makes her suspicious. She lifts the, bed, the quilt up and she sees that all kinds of junk is on the bed. The things she had seen that was she has asked to be cleaned were just covered with the quilt. And then she looks under the bed and she can see that everything that was in the way, that was filled, you know, the wrappers, the 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 sweet wrappers, the biscuit wrappers, the broken biscuits, the broken bread and everything has just been pushed under the bed. Now, what happens here is this. Why is a child trying to tidy up in this manner? The reason is very simple. It is because this child, boy or girl, doesn't understand the reason why they have to tidy. The only concern just about the thing looking great, looking, looking, looking good. So they've done it and it looks good. But they don't realize that the bigger, but that, that the bigger, the bigger picture is their own health. They saw the tidying up just to, you know, just mom just wants to see my clean, my room just tidy. 
but they didn't understand or they don't understand that the reason that the tidiness is being requested is because of their own health. Unfortunately, when we relate this to the Christian life, we, we get to understand that most people have this mentality which is displayed by this child who was asked to tidy up their room. They put on a certain, you know, a certain behavior or a certain, uh, they put a, a, a certain outlook that when you look, it looks so great. It looks so brilliant. But then all that wonderful and glamorous look underneath is, uh, is, is what Jesus in another passage will call dead men's bones. In the layman's terms, it is filth underneath. And it doesn't cut it with God at all. The passage of scripture that we look at today in Luke chapter 11, verses 37 to 52. brings out this truth very clearly. And the reason why, as I mentioned, that the child would do this is because they don't have the, big, the bigger picture. They don't see. In a way, you would say they've got blurred vision. You don't have clear vision. Now we saw that when a person lacks clear vision or they have blurred vision, they are not able to make sense of what God is saying to them. But the thing is this. Not only are people not able to make sense of what God is saying to them. But they're not able to see God clearly at all. God himself. And that is the danger of blurred vision. When it comes to our walk with God. That we can't see God himself. We, we can't see him. We can't see him. And remember, we said the causes of blurred vision are prejudice, pride, and selfishness. So a person may begin with a very clear vision of who God is. And attracted to God and see God in everything. But as they go on with their... Christian lives and they allow selfishness to creep in because of the necessities of life and the challenges of life. They come to a place 
They are so busy. They are so worn out and tangled with so many things. And so they allow a little selfishness in. in. No, I, you, you know, I need to care about myself. I, 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 I think it is about time I started, you know, focusing on me a little bit. And little by little, selfishness gets in. And sometimes it is the pride of life. Oh my goodness. When we were poor, we were, we were so open, we were so humble. But the moment a little money came in, the moment a little goodness came in, the moment we saw a little fortune, you know, we lay our hands on some fortune, the, the moment we, we began to see a little progress in our natural and economic life, pride sets in. And oh my goodness boy, what harm pride does to us. It blurs our vision of God himself. Not only on his instructions, you know. And the, and, and the thing is, if, if God, if a vision of God is blurred, how much more what he says? And this is a situation of the Pharisees and the lawyers that we see in this text. Come with me quickly now to verse 37. In the, in the verse 37, the Bible says, as Jesus was addressing the issue of, you know, the, 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 the blurred vision of no, not having that inner light to see, even though the light is on, because God is forever shining his light, but internally when the sight is dull or the eyes are squinty, squinty and you can't see, and you know it is it is masked a bit with pride, prejudice, and selfishness, so you can't see very clearly. There's nothing you can see. As he was dealing with that issue, a Pharisee invited him home to dine. Actually, it is understood that it, it was it was in the morning hours when this was done, so really it was like breakfast. So he goes into the house. He goes in and in verse 38, we see the Pharisee, the Bible says, marvels. Because Jesus did something, verse 38, verse 38. Okay, let's take, let, me, let me take from the verse 37 first. And as he spake, a certain Pharisee brought, besought him to dine with him. And he went in and sat down to meet. That is, Jesus, immediately he got into the house. Remember, he's been dealing with the crowd. He's been seen by people. I'm sure some people have touched him and everything. And he's made contact with people. But the moment he sat down to eat, the moment he went into the house, he sat at the table to eat, ready to eat, ready to go and I believe that the master, the Lord Jesus, did this thing deliberately. I believe it was deliberate. Because it appears that he even avoided the normal ablution. What I mean by the normal ablution is, you know, because before we, we go to eat, we ask the children, hey, let me see your fingers. And he, the mom will check their fingers. Ah, there's a little bit here. Go to the bathroom, watch your finger, and come back and eat. Right? So, whoa. 
we, we now use forks and knives. So what is the point of the washing of the hands? Well, okay, still, is, 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 is the spoon you are using or the knife you are using clean? Clean it up. Right. It appears Jesus didn't do that and sat down straight to, to eat. And so the Pharisee, in verse 38, the Bible says, when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not washed before dinner. That word there, sort of, I explained earlier on, it was a morning thing, so it was more of dining. Before sitting down to dine. So, he marveled. But the question is, why did he marvel? Now, the, the word marvel here is actually shocked, amazed. The Pharisee was shocked. Almost to the point of maybe getting a bit irritated by it, right? Shocked. How could a great teacher like this not wash? Now, when we look at the word wash, you might just be thinking just, just the washing of the hands. No, it wasn't that simple. It was the ceremonial ablution which the, the, the Jews had to go, or sorry, the, the Pharisees had to go through before they ate their meal. And why? That is, they would, the, the left hand will wash the right hand about twice, and then the left one, the right one, wash, wash the right one about twice, and they will do other things. That they, they go through a lot before they sit down. And especially when they have come from the marketplace where they've been in touch with other people because the common people or the, or the common person was considered unclean. Or they get into all sorts of defilement. And Pharisees were very, you know, disciplined, very clean, ceremonially clean people. No dirt on them. So when they come home before they eat, they need to make sure that they, are, they have clean. They've gone through the ceremonies. Now, before you, are, before you take this tangent and say, but brother pastor, don't you think that good hygiene, no matter how many times they wash your hand, good hygiene is good? Yes, I agree with you there, sister. Good hygiene is good. Well, just in case maybe you're a sister. I, 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 well... Well, if you happen to be a brother too, uh, good, good point, brother. But I, I would like to point out to you that it was not for hygiene purposes that they washed their hands. That, that's, that ceremony that the Pharisee was expecting of our Lord Jesus was not for hygiene's sake, but for ceremonial or religious purity. It was to make themselves pure relig in re re religious or morally by the washing of the hands and doing all the extensive washing before they ate indicated or separated them, made them, you know, clean morally. That was a point here. And this is the Pharisees. Pharisees. So the, <laughs> the Pharisee does not even talk, but Jesus 
knew. He knew what was going on because they, they were so disciplined, they will not fail. And it's also very possible that the shock on his face was very visible and the master had seen it. So he said, and the, verse 39, and the Lord said unto him, now, do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, the cup and the plate, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. Now, mind you, who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to a Pharisee. No ordinary person. Who are the Pharisees? The Pharisees were not necessarily priests. They were not necessarily the high priest. What we call the Pharisaical community or the, or, or the, the, the Pharisees were simply a religious group or club, right? That was what they were, a religious group or club who had pledged, they have pledged this. What is it? After seeing the many times Israel had gone into captivity because of their, because of their throwing away the commandments of God and everything, these people pledged themselves that they were going to make sure that the priestly life, the life that those who worked in the temple were asked to live, the priestly life became the norm in Israel. That was your, that was your pledge. Which was a good thing. To make sure that it, that it became the normal thing. That they would never be found in that place again where they come under captivity. And this was their pledge. So, so they, they, they practice certain things. They, they dress in a certain way. All because they wanted to make sure that the true Israel manifested. But in doing this, in doing this, these people have come to the place where their vision has become very blurred. To the extent that now their, their emphasis was so much on the outside. As you can see here in the verse 39. That the washing of the hands and everything. Because they had taken the washing of the hands to mean moral purity. So Christ says to them. He says, look at the verse 40. I just want to add that one. He says, you fools. You fools. Christ calls them fools. But it's this Pharisee and his group of Pharisees. Did not he that made that which is without make that which is within also? That means you lay a lot of emphasis on the outside. But the one who made the outside, did he not also make the inside that you focus so much on the outside? 
And they were concerned about, you know, their outward appearance, how they appear before people, how they walk, how they talk, how they wash their hands. They were, the, they were called, the, you know, the, they, were, they were the segregationists. That is, they always wanted to distinct themselves from the common person. God have mercy. But, Christ says, you are corrupt on the inside. You are dead on the inside. Wickedness, greed, actually, they, they, they were full of greed and corruption. But that didn't matter. So you see how dangerous this thing can be. That when a person has, has got very bl blurred vision and have no, can't see God. If you can't see God, what else can you see? And they focus so much on the outside, but the inside was filthy. Wickedness. The word Christ used here, just fools, it's fools. Ye fools, did not he that made that which is without, make that which is also within? The word fools, when you really break it down, it tends to imply someone who is mindless. That is, someone who does what he does without reason. Mindless. Because their entire concern is for the outward appearance. How they look. How they walk. How they talk. But they have no concern about what is happening on the inside. That is, their inner, their inner response to God did not matter. The only thing that mattered was the outward. That is what people will see. But Christ called them fools. You are, mind, you, are, you are mindless. You have no understanding. That is, you, you, you have no understanding of what really is happening. Or what it really means to be people of God. And you're also not concerned about your actions. So, when you look at what we, what we considered last Sunday, and we look at this word, fools, which means mindless, which Christ uses here, you can see that mindless, mindlessness and, and having blurred vision is, a, is the same. So when he says, you, you fools, he's basically referring to them as people without clear vision. People, you, you lack clear vision. You guys who lack clear vision, you are mindless. You are fools. You don't understand what is what's happening. Neither do you even know the consequences of what you are doing. Because you are thinking that the inside doesn't matter. But just the outside. Thinking that the inside should be okay. God have mercy. But if you come to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 16. In 1 Samuel 16, we see that God says, uh, sorry, Samuel says something. He says, 1 Samuel 6, 6, 7, 7, he says, But the Lord said unto, unto Samuel, 
Look not on his countenance nor on his height, because I have refused him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. You see, so in our walk with God, what we need to understand is that God is watching the heart. So outwardly, we may not see anything bad. Everything is okay. You are fine. But what is happening on the inside of you is what is the most important thing. What is God seeing? What is God witnessing on the inside of you? What does God see? When you wake up, when you're alone, when you're with people, wherever you are, what is happening in your, in your, in your inside is the thing that matters. God have mercy. What happens on the inside is what matters. You know, the, the faith life or the Christian life is to be lived from the inside out. What has happened on the inside must come out. So they have, these guys have blurred vision. So here we are looking at some of the consequences of, of blurred vision. Some of the cons- consequences. You're not able to see God very clearly. So, attention gets to focus on what is on the outside. That sense of living before God is not there. God have mercy. And then it says, but rather, verse 41 says, but rather give alms of such things as you have. And behold, all things are clean. So basically, what Christ is basically saying here is this. You know, you focus so much on the outside and you clean that, and you're cleaning the cups and the place and everything. But what is in the cup is... <laughs> give them out. That, the understanding here is this, that there's so much greed on the inside. Greed. They're full of greed. You've been hoarding things. You've robbed people. So what is inside? Give them out. Pour them out. Do that. Do that. God have mercy. If you look at the verse 42, it conti- he continues. He says, But woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye tithe mint and rue and all. So, so Christ is building up the case and pass over judgment and the love of God. You pass over all these things. God have mercy. Over judgment and the love of God, these ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. God is merciful. You see, serving God or worshiping God from the inside 
means keeping a pure, untainted heart before God. Instead of just, let me, let me backtrack. Let me make some two points here. Blurred vision, blurred vision does not just focus on the outside. And, oh sorry, I'm not saying blurred vision focuses on the outside and clear vision focuses on the inside. No, that, that, that's not what I'm saying. Blurred vision focuses on the outside. But clear vision, CV, focuses both on, on both the inside and the outside. Praise God. So clear, but when the vision is clear, you have your focus is on you are concerned about inner purity of purity of heart before God and purity also on the outside. Because the God who made the outside made the inside, and the God who made the inside made the outside. So he is concerned about both how we relate to him in purity and how we relate with, to, to our fellow man on the outside. So we don't say, well, I have clear vision and God knows my heart that, that I am serving God all right in my, in my heart. But outwardly, you are also terrible. It doesn't cut like that. Praise God. You see, you see, Having a clear vision means that in your, your, in your Christian life, you, you, you are true to yourself on the inside. That is, you don't deceive your own self. You don't ignore the, the, the unwanted dead carcasses of filth that are forever running in your heart and mind and your Inside, the selfishness, the pride, the indulgences, you could give yourself to things that are not right. And as long as nobody saw you, you are okay. You know, you know, I'm not here to talk about your personal sins, but I, I am here to point out that as a Christian, if you go by that label, God has called us to a life of purity, both on the inside and on the outside. But without clear vision, you can't see God. So you only try to, you know, impress people. And that is what these Pharisees have come to. You will see why I said I say this in a second. But let me move on to the next thing that Christ is see. So when Christ makes this point, he now goes on to say in the verse, in the verse, uh, is it the verse 42? In the verse 42? Yes, in the verse 42. He says, You won't you Pharisees? You you tied mint and and rue and all manner of herbs and you pass over judgment and the love of God. Oh my goodness. This ought you to have done and not to have leave the other undone. So the next point Christ presses upon the Pharisees is this. He says, you know what? You are, you are sorrowful, miserable Pharisees. Miserable. Actually, this is not a judgment uh, a pronunciation. It, it, it is more of um, sorrow and concern for, for them. 
And you see, I'm sure that some of us are, when we hear Christ making this, 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 this charges, we raise our hands, hallelujah, Christ, go, go Christ, go Christ, go Christ. But before you, before you go into that mode, you know, wait, wait a minute, you notice that anytime Christ is rebuking anyone, he always gives a way out. If you're lashing, just leave people stuck where they are without any way out. You are not really following the steps of Christ. Watch what he says here. He says, you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God. These are you to have done and not to leave the other undone. What is this? The mint and the rue are kinds, they are kind of herbs, just like he says here, and all manner of herbs. And they were concerned about tithing. They're concerned about, you know, tithing is the instruction that God gave to part of the mosaic, um, that instructions, which is something that we know even Abraham back in his day did tithe. Tithe is when you give a tenth of your income or a tenth of whatever you earn to the Lord's, to the building of the Lord's house. I'll come to that in a minute. But these people, these Pharisees have come to the place where in their tithing, they've extended it to things like herbs. Oh my goodness. Herbs. Tithing, giving a tenth of the tithe. It's like, you know, when you become so petty about tithing, uh, uh, yeah. somebody gave you 10 pounds yesterday hey one pound to god when he went there and, and and that man gave you 10p hey one p for god you know you become so meticulous about those little and uh, the man gave you rice yeah the moment we go you go and get your measuring stick and it's okay there's a tenth of this, this this is a bag it is 10 centimeters long so then one centimeter and then and then you measure exactly 10 cent one centimeter and then you pour one centimeter and go oh we brought our tithe to, to the house of god that is they become so particular about that tithing and you see the tithing was supposed to help who it was supposed to help in the house of god it was supposed to help the those who work in the house of God, take care of things in the house of God, feed the Levites who work in the house of God. And also at some point in numbers, we got to understand that the tithing was also supposed to support thing, uh, people like the strangers and the foreigners who come into the cities. Is it every three years, you know, gather and make sure that you give to the poor and the needy, feed them. Let, let, let a tithe serve people. So the tithing was meant to serve people, okay? And the Pharisees were so detailed about it. But you see, Christ is not so much concerned about them being too detailed about it. Because he said, that, this you should have done, right? And not leave the other, that is the tithing. Don't leave the tithing undone. But the point, the reason Christ had called them fools, mindless blood vision people is because it is foolishness actually that to tithe but then you ignore judgment and the love of God how it don't make sense 
Why do I say so? Because in the tithing, you are given to people. But when, when you meet them on a daily basis, you have no judgment, no justice. You deny them justice. You deny human beings justice. You deny human beings the love of God, but then you are concerned about tithing that is supposed to give to people, that, that is supposed to care for people. So how do you reconcile the two? If not for greed, because tithing is meant to support the people, which indicates that you care for them. But then in reality, there is no justice in your heart for, for people. There is no love of God in, in your heart for people. And Christ makes us to understand that the heart of the gospel, the heart of the kingdom of God is judgment, compassion, mercy, equity. Kindness towards people. The reason why the earth exists. The reason why we are all here. Is for this. That we will show kindness, compassion, mercy, love. Towards one another. With all that you do. Everything you do. Can be you know, simplified. To this one thing. In fulfilling your purpose and everything. It comes down to this one thing. That we show kindness compassion mercy love justice here on this earth hallelujah justice in every way don't treat your neighbor wrongly don't defraud one another be be compassionate be kind be generous this is the reason why humans are on the earth our preaching is not just to give People, knowledge for knowledge's sake. Our praying is not just to make us feel super spiritual. What for? So we will practice justice in every quarter, social, racial, economical, whatever. So we will practice it. Our spirituality is so that we will practice kindness, love of God goodness towards people this is the hard core of living on the earth if a person ignore these things Christ says you are full because how would you tithe you are tithing indicating you want to give you want to care for people but actually in your heart you have no concern you have no love for the people you have no care for the people you deny them justice compassion no you see a woman in a in a adultery you bring the woman and leave the man and are ready to stone this woman when you yourself you are full of sins but you want to stone someone. Where is your compassion? Oh. This text of scripture is giving me. A new perspective. Oh, oh, all of life. It just, it, just, it just changed my perspective altogether. It just changed my perspective. So you pass over. Justice. And the love of God. And. When I say don't pass over justice and love of God, I'm not saying forget about tithe crisis and don't leave the other undone. That means keep doing it. But elsewhere, he calls justice and love of God the weightier matters of the law. 
That means tithing is all right. It's good to pray because God says so. It is to care for people. But the most important action, your justice, your love of God should drive you into things like tithing and all that. That should drive it. But you don't rather practice tithing and then you forget about justice and love of God. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Is Christ done? No, he's not. Then he says, and he says, Woe! 43. Woe! Why? Because you love the uppermost seats in the synagogues and the marketplaces and, greet and greetings in the marketplaces. Hey, if you if you if you miss out on who God is, if you if you are blurred on who God is, what else have you got left? What, what, what am I saying? What I'm saying is this that God created us that we would worship Him, right? God gave us, God has given us this capacity to, to love Him. There's a reason why he, we, we, we were oh, we, created out of love to love. That's what we are. That's who we are. Created from love to love. That's what we are. So guess what? Every human being has got the capacity to love. But the one to love is God. The one who, des who deserves that affection, primary, is God. But when you deny him that love, when you, when you, when you don't direct that love to him, you've got no other choice than to love something else. And that is a problem here. If, and the thing is this, what, my point is this, when our vision is blurred, not only are we not able to make sense of what God is saying, but we also can't see God him, himself. And if I can't see God for who he is, what else have I got? So, for these, for, so when you are not able to love God, you will love something. Say, hey, for the Pharisees, their love turned to having the highest, having the, the good position when they met in the synagogue. Actually, okay, let me describe it. The synagogue was like this. You had, like the lectern here, right? This were a person will stand to read the scriptures, okay? And then... All around like a C, C shape, curve shape, not C, C shape. <laughs> All around it, you will have the seats for the prominent people, which is the Pharisees. And they loved to sit in those places because, you know, everyone looks at them. Yes, we, we are the elite. We are the makers of this community. We are the leaders. We are that. And they loved it. And they also loved 
when people are greeting when people are greeting them in the marketplaces oh, oh hello oh, oh they loved it yes yes when the love when when the love that must go to god doesn't go to him it must go to something else so for them it was love of position and love of respect from men but i ask you today you what is yours is your love set on god or your affections or your love is for other things do, do, in your heart. You see, having clear vision means being true to yourself on the inside. So the question I'm asking you, I don't need an answer from you, but you, you respond yourself. Can you strike your chest and say, yeah, I love God to bits and, and I know that. Or you know that in your heart, love for God is not something you even think about. The moment you wake up from bed, what you think about is food. Food, or games, or friends, or money, 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 darjern, drete. That's all you think about. God have mercy. God have mercy. If all we think about is money, <laughs> all you're thinking about, my shift. I've got four hours, uh, seven hours today. Today, if I go and my boss gives me overtime, six hours, I'll, I'll be dancing. And it's working all out. Because you've, you've targeted something you want to buy. So someone talks about God, a church service, a Bible study, a prayer meeting. Oh, forget about that. But hey, the purpose is not so much of just a gathering. The gathering is to, is to equip our hearts so that we are continually seeing God for who he is. And so we can continually practice justice. Love for one another. Love for God. Love for one another. And do kind compassion. Uh, kindness. Comp show compassion. Show love. Show equity. And show generosity towards others but their love was shifted and then he says woe unto you this is the, this one really cut the, this one really cut the pharisees to the core this one because that christ goes contrary to their nature to their to their whole vision verse 44 but woe unto you scribes and pharisees hypocrites oh my goodness you see, he changed your name from Pharisee to hypocrite. I, I, I don't know what name you call yourself, but you see, but we all need to check ourselves here. If this thing describes us, then hey, he's calling us hypocrites too. He says, For ye are as graves which appear not, and the men that walk up over them are not aware of them. This is this was this was a very oh my goodness, what Christ said here was. It was too serious to, to even imagine. You see, the whole, the Pharisees' whole idea is to make the priestly life the norm in Israel. So their agenda, so their thing is that they are the clean ones, ceremoniously clean ones. 
and the masses are the defiled people that they are trying to lead. But Christ, having, consider, having considered what they are doing and their lifestyle on the inside, now calls them hypocrites. And then he says, you are as dead, sorry, you are as graves which do not appear. Now, let me break this thing down here. The Israelites were concerned about defilement. To be defiled means you can't stand before God. And if you're not qualified to stand before God, that means your sins are still on you. And if your sins are on you, you're in danger then of the enemy's attack on you. That means you are sinned against God. You are defiled. And so, the defilement was something that Israel was very particular about. And so should we also be. Hello? Though ours is not so much of the physical but the spiritual. But I believe that certain things are not to be done. God have mercy. If you go to a church building, you don't go about urinating on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the church building. You don't, you, don't, you don't do that. Or you don't allow that. But, things like graves. When a person dies and you touch it, you become defiled. When you go to the cemetery and you come back, you are defiled because of a dead person. So you're meant to wash yourself. If someone does not wash themselves when they come from the cemetery... And they come among the, con the congregation of, of God. They call the whole congregation to be defiled. That means you put the whole congregation in trouble. And so, and just like the lepers. A leper is unclean. So when a leper is coming to town. What are they meant to do? Cry. They cry. Unclean. 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 So everyone moves away from them. Because if you touch them, you become defiled. In the same way, when tombs or when tombs are made, they are marked with something white. So you will not miss out that it's a tomb when you go near it. But Christ is saying, you are like what? Graves which appear not. That means you are graveyards that people can't see. You are walking graves. That people can't see. And they are forever touching you. That means you rather are defiling. Oh my goodness. You rather are defiling the whole community. For us, what does this mean? That means you are a hypocrite. Okay? A hypocrite is a deceiver. Someone who, who, someone who, who lives a double life. So for us right now, to be, an, to, to be a grave that is hidden indicates that the things that we do sway people away from the truth. Because we ourselves can't see God. And if I can't see God, what am I doing to you? I can't see God and I'm talking to you about God. Sorry, not, not, not about God, but I've opened a religious, I've, I've opened a religious book. And I'm talking to you things from this book. What would I be saying when I can't see God? The things that will come out from here will be legalistic laws and rituals and ceremonies. I'll be bringing you all these things. God of mercy.
And you see, so when we can't see, when a person can't see God, they cause others also to be defiled, or they cause others to be deceived, they cause others to go out of the way. For us, great which appear not. And the men and people are not aware. Because why? Oh my goodness. Why? That will be the next section. The people are not aware that they've been deceived. And that is where the accusation of the lawyers also come in. And quickly, let me, let me do this because of my time. Let me do this quickly. Now, what he's saying here is this. In the verse 45... You know, in the verse 44, he says, Won't you scribes and Pharisees? So here, he includes another group. And the group that he mentions here are called the scribes. We come across scribes all the time. And for your information, Ezra, which we, we saw in the book of Nehemiah, was a scribe. The scribes are those who copies our God's word. They are the transcribers of the word. They are the translators. They are the interpreters, they are the lecturers, they are the teachers. They are the ones that really, you know, brings out the interpretation of the other of the scriptures. Now here in the verse 44, Christ includes them, scribes. So, and in some, so when, so the scribes in a way are also called lawyers. Because the lawyers... It's not lawyer as in the as we know in our day, but lawyers, lawyers as in teachers of the law were called lawyers. So then one of the lawyers, verse 45, said unto him, Master, in saying this, you reproach us also. Oh my goodness, that man should have kept quiet. But I'm glad he did so that we can learn from it. And then the moment that man spoke and said, Are you also implying us? He said, Oh my, he said, Well, since you've asked for it, get it. Woe unto you, lawyers, for you have laid on people grievous burdens to be born, and you yourself touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. Oh, goodness me. You see, the lawyers, like I, like I said, they were the teachers of the law. So they, they, they come under, 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 under scribes. And the scribes, for your information, the scribes were even more respected than, than the high priest. The people held the scribes in high esteem. They enjoyed, you know, the respect that was given unto, the, unto, unto them. But here Christ is saying that they put burdens on people. What is a burden? What is a burden? Moses gave them, Moses gave Israel laws to practice. And God also gave Israel, God gave through Moses Ethical laws to practice. God told them to keep a clean environment, wash their hands when they eat, do all these things. And God gave them those things that it will point Israel towards inner purity. Now these things you were doing on the outside, understand that as you were doing that, I want you to understand that the... That the the higher or the moral sig sig significance is that you will present yourself morally clean before me on the inside. Your heart should be pure before me. That was the whole point. But 
these scribes and these scribes, what they've done over time, began to now design their own oral codes, which now actually are written in the book called the Talmud. So besides God's word, which is very, they have their own version of their law called the traditions of the elders. And in there is where they have all those ceremonial washings. and So Christ knew that what the Pharisee was expecting him to do is not what God had required Israel to do. And that was why he wouldn't do it. But besides that, they have devised so many laws and rules, about 613 of them, which people were meant to practice. And they were burdensome. They were, they were terrible. You see, because they were not the... Anything that man constructs for you to do is, is worrisome. Christ said in Matthew 11. In Matthew 11, 28 to, to 30. Christ says, hey, come unto me. For my burden is what? Light. So now you understand Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. That was what Christ meant when he said that my burden is light and my yoke. My burden is... Right, verse 29 to 30, please. He said, my, my burden is, is light. And my yoke is what? My yoke is, is easy. It's easy. So come unto me and I will give you rest. So in Christ, when you become a Christian, it is not supposed to be some hard thing to do, but it's when we have man-made laws created. But when the, the lawyers too, their problem, the, the, the problem of the lawyers was that they were also blind towards God himself. They, they couldn't see God. Over time, of, of course, Ezra could, could, could see God. Those that came after them could see, could see God. But over time, selfishness, pride, and prejudice set in, and then they begin to have blurred vision. So now they started developing all these codes. Why? For control. So they can control the people. But all these things, all these rules and regulations, and the people cannot keep it. And because of that, they pride themselves. Yes, we are the great ones. Because they were able to, you know, you know, do some of the things that they, have, they, they, they themselves have engineered. And sometimes too, because they wrote those laws, they were able to find loopholes, you know, like some of our people in our day did some months ago. They wrote laws about lockdown and then they saw the loopholes and they were using it to free them, 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 themselves. While the, while the common man was struggling under those laws that they have given. That's exactly what it is. So they could eat themselves, you know, and, and God have mercy. The Christ said, you woe unto you because you put on them burdens and remember in Acts 15 verse 10 remember one day when the Gentiles got born again um, some of the Jewish brethren were, were asking them to be circumcised the church wrote to them and said no we, will not, we are not going to put those burdens which our fathers themselves could not keep on the Gentiles we're not going to do that so sometimes People de divine certain laws. You see, hey, if someone asks you to do something and you can't really see it in scripture, God has not really commanded you. And the source is really man-made source. 
brother, sister, lean on Christ. Amen? Amen. Lean on Christ. And then secondly, let me, because of time, he says, woe unto you, Pharisees, and, sorry, woe unto you. You build the circle, the, the simple curse of the prophets. Verse 47. And your fathers killed them. Surely ye bear witness that ye allowed the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and ye build their sepulchres. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute. That the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple. Verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Whoa, that was loaded. What Christ was saying here is basically this. He's saying, you lawyers, woe unto you. Because you build the sepulchres of your fathers. When your fathers have killed the prophets. So, you see, it was too bad. The fathers have killed the prophets. Okay? Too bad. They've killed them. But you build their caves. Or you build their graves. You build it. Basically, what they were doing was all those prophets who were dead and gone, they were building nice tombs, nice sepulchres for them. And Christ picked on that. And why does he pick on that? And why this charge? You see, it is like this. They were saying, whoa, we are not guilty of our fathers. Our fathers were wrong. They killed the prophets. So they were wrong. They done all these bad, bad things. So we are building their tombs. And what Christ is saying to them is this. If indeed, if indeed, you are building the, if, if indeed, you care so much about the, about the fathers, if you care so much about them, then why do you do what you do? Basically, your fathers have killed them and you are providing these elaborate or well, this nice decorated tombs for them. But the point is this. You are guilty because you are not really honoring these prophets. You are actually making sure that they are dead and forgotten and forgotten. So you build their tombs. You build these things to just say that they are dead. Forget about them. Why am I saying this? Because if you really honor them, then you will obey them. You will obey their message. But the truth is this. You, have, you are continuously ignoring the messages of these prophets. If you respect some, let's say a prophet like Samuel. If you respect Samuel, you will not just build a nice tomb for, for Samuel. Oh, let's, this, this is a, Prophet Samuel's week. Or Pro, Prophet Samuel's month. 
and you're celebrating the month of Samuel. But Samuel said something. Are you obeying what Samuel said? Samuel told Saul categorically, it is better to obey God than to perform sacrifices. Are you obeying God? Or are you more interested in performing sacrifices? So because of that, you've put away the words of Samuel, no obeying God, but you are celebrating him in festivals. That means you are building the tombs of the prophets. You are, you, you are, you are just pushing them away. And the question is this. What are we doing to all those great men? Are we celebrating them and say hallelujah for this person, for that person, for that person? Or we are walking in the truth that they brought us from, from, from God? That is the question. What are we doing? Are we following in the truth that they taught us? Or we are just happy about them and doing nothing? And then he says, again, Again, you are indeed following your fathers, or you are like you are just like your fathers because they killed the prophets, and you said that was wrong. But I also know that you are planning to kill me. That was all part of what he was saying here. <laughs> because he at this time they were plotting, they were planning to kill him. And then he says that so the blood of Abel, you know who who who, who Abel is. Abel and Cain, the blood of, from the blood of, Ke, of Abel to Zacharias. That means all the prophets from Abel to Zacharias, whose blood have been shed, it will be required of you, this generation. Why? Because your fathers may have, may have had these prophets, but God has given you something greater, me, John the Baptist. The greatest of all the prophets have come. And I have also come, but you are even planning to kill me. That means you are guilty more than your fathers. So the blood of Abel, right down to Zacharias, will be required of you. Why Zacharias? You see, in the Jewish Bible, they have 24 books. We have about 39, right? But they have 20, 20, 24 and their, their arrangement in the Jewish Bible, in, in, the, in the Jewish Old Testament, the arrangement is different from ours. Our, in our Bible, the Old Testament ends in Malachi. In the Jewish Bible, the Old Testament ends with, with Chronicles. So from Genesis, it ends with Chronicles, the way they, are, they, they arrange it. So the last prophet killed in Chronicles is Zacharias. So what Christ was saying was that all the prophets died. Their blood will be required of you. And if it will be required of this, of that generation, the question is, what about our generation? Those of us that refuse to see God for who he is. God have mercy. And then finally, he scares them with this. He says, you, woe unto you. Why? Because you have taken away the key of knowledge. The Pharisees were found of calling the common people stupid, ignorant, and cursed people. They didn't have any respect. Basically, they had 
no heart. There was no compassion. You know, in the verse 45, Christ said that you give them burdens that they can't carry and you will not help them. They were heartless toward the people. No compassion. So the same thing is running through this passage. Christ is saying, when you lose focus on who God is, oh my goodness, you lose focus of compassion, love of God, justice, mercy. This, you've taken away the key of knowledge. You've denied these people access to knowledge. Key signifies access. So even when they take the scriptures, they can't see. You've taken away the key of knowledge. The key of knowledge. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. There's no fear of God. You see, when we come to scriptures, it is God we are meant to see. His nature, his character, his values, his passion. We are meant to see them so that we can practice them here on this earth. But the point is, if I can't see God, how do I do that? But in their teaching, in their interpretation, God has been put out of the picture. These people don't highlight what needs to be highlighted. They don't even train the people mentally how to even come into the scriptures. They don't even show them the key of knowledge. I am not interested in just preaching to people. I'm interested in people being able to come to the scriptures. Look into them and see God in the scriptures for themselves. You see, let me point this thing out. When we come to the scriptures, we are not coming to see rules and regulations. That was a forsaken life. You see, when you come to the scriptures, because of fear of God's judgment on your life, all you can see is rules and regulations. You want, you, you want rules that will keep you away from sin so God doesn't judge you. But when you come to the scriptures because of, of a love for God, you want to see his nature, his values, so you can practice them. I'm not interested in just telling you what the Bible says, but I'm interested to whet your appetite about God's nature. That God wants us to fill this earth with compassion. But the lawyers and the scribes, they have taken away the key of knowledge. There's a key that opens the scriptures up. It's called God himself. When you come in there, when you know Christ, when you're born again, it's a key to knowledge. It makes you see God for who God is. When you have not got God on the, on the inside... When you are forever being told, you know, Adam, your mind is being shifted to rules, rituals, ceremonies, things that don't really point you to God. It kills. It kills everything on the inside of you. And when you read scripture, it looks like a bunch of words you can't understand. But when you come that in the midst of all these, the, 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 the stories, in the midst of all that, you are looking for God, his nature, and his values. You are able to extract from the scripture yourself. 
We don't come to the scriptures just to find out rules and regulations on, you know, how to build that, how to do that, how to do all those great, great things. But then there's no compassion for human beings, no kindness, no love, no justice. How can we cheat people, cheat them, rob them, daylight robbery, rob people? Rob them of their cash. Rob them of their time. Rob them of what their children need. And still preach to them that God is good. That is foolishness. That doesn't add up. But that is a result of blurred vision. God of mercy. My time is, is far gone. God forgive me. My time is far gone. So I want to end here. But I want to pray with you. 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 The consequences of blurred vision. It's sad. It closes us to who God really is. And we don't know what God, who God really is. We substitute following outward ceremonies. We tend to think that, oh, worship, oh, prayer, oh, the Bible said, oh, I can't miss Bible studies. Why? Is it because you are learning the character and the values of God? Or you just like just to just, dis, just discuss Bible for, for discussion's sake? Oh, I don't want to miss prayer. You don't want to miss prayer because it makes you feel elated and high and super spiritual or it really makes you see the nature and character of God and it gets imprinted on your soul for you to live it out. Oh, I love worship and praises. Is it because the feeling is so nice? The songs are nice? You, you want to dance and have goosebumps on your, on your body? Or it reveals the nature of God to you. Let's move away from the, the pharisaical attitude. Let's deal away with all these things that blocks vision so we can see God for who he is. Father, we thank you. Father, we bless you. That we will concentrate on both the inside and the outside. We will we'll be true to ourselves that what is happening on the inside will be the same thing happening on the outside. What men see on the outside will be happening on the inside. That on the inside, Father, we will be true to ourselves that what our outward, that we will, we will reflect God and that, Lord, we will begin to now focus on compassion, kindness, generosity, love of God, seeking justice, caring for people. In all that we do, in our purposes, everything that we do, Lord, we, we, we pray. Help us. Oh, God. Help us. 
and the Lord God Almighty. That we will not put burdens, things you've not commanded, we will not put it upon people. To make them see Christianity so hard and difficult to practice. When Christ himself said, my yoke is light. So my yoke is easy. It is easy. Christ says, it is easy to live the Christian life. It is easy. But men say, but I've heard many people say, Christianity is difficult. That means Christ was lying. That cannot be. We are wrong. He said, it is easy. Christianity is easy. Only if we can focus upon God. See him for who he is. And serve him for who he is. And not trouble our souls. With what man thinks. Oh Lord have mercy upon us. And help us to see. And the saints say, Amen and Amen. Praise God. The word of God, I must say to you, is quick and active. The word of God is living. The word of God is not just a mere written text. The word of God is living. It's a living thing. When the word of God proceeds, when it comes out from the mouth of God, as Matthew puts it, when it comes out from the mouth of God, it is a living and active word, powerful, able to effect change and change things. It is not a dead letter. God's word is living. I am talking about the word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. It is active, it is powerful.